Welcome to the Thrive Leadership Podcast, where we discuss building and leading a thriving culture. Host Rob Sagan pulls from his network of hundreds of bona fide leaders to sit down and talk to the best of the bunch, breaking down the keys to their success and the ways in which a focus on culture has let themselves and their organizations reach their highest potential. From stories of organizations who turn their strategy around to create a radically positive shift in atmosphere, to deep changes for companies focused on their bottom line. These interviews shed light on the true stories that emerge from leaders that are actively engaged in their organization's ongoing evolution and values. One of those stories is explored in this episode, starting with Rob introducing today's guest. Okay, all right. Well, welcome, Ross. Thank you. Really looking forward to our discussion today. Ross Glover, General Manager and President of Taiho Pharmaceutical Canada. Uh, it's an honor to have you on our podcast. Well, it's uh, great to be here. Thank you, Rob. Ross, we've known each other almost 20 years. I was just thinking about when I opened my <laughs> practice in 2003. You were one of the first people I had the pleasure of doing some work with. So really nice to come back here and explore some of that journey together that, we, that we've had over the last 15 years. And great. you've got one of those paths in the life science sector that You've uh, had a really interesting journey to this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe yeah. you can just start with giving our audience a little bit of that background. So what <laughs> what defines your path to this point? What defines my path? That's a good question. You know, um, I started in sales. The thing that really got me interested in this industry in the first place was uh, being able to work with uh, intelligent customers like doctors and really have a good two-way dialogue with them and establish that two-way dialogue. And I lived off of that for many years. For the first 10 years of my career, everything was about sales and uh, getting better at that, opening those discussions and really uh, enjoying that back and forth with my customers. And then and then uh, after that, I started to uh, work to think that I could I could work with the rest of my team. There's things I can do with my team that that... Um, I think we'd all be interested in, including me. So I started to uh, get into training and then managing people. Uh, and then after that, I thought, you know, there's there's ways I'd like these these products to work. There's ways I'd like this business to work. And then so getting my uh, feet wet in marketing and uh, business management. And, uh, you know, every step of the way, I just found new curiosities, new questions to answer, and new places to go, and uh, always wanted to do more for my teams, for my companies, and, and uh, you know, that's what led me to where I am now, I guess, and um, yeah. I still really enjoy what I do, and I, I, I really enjoy the business side of our business, but I think the thing that motivates me the most is the people side of our business, and how you can work with people and help them to realize their their potential and see them enjoy that, see them, uh, you know, uh, just immerse themselves and, and get engaged in what they're doing and, uh, feed and feed that back to the people around them. So, you know, that's the thing that drives me. And, uh, I focus mostly on that and, and the business side of it seems to work very well. Yeah. And I was just sharing with somebody the other day, we were talking about the people we knew in the industry and, you know, mentoring young people as they come up Mm-hmm. Now, that next generation and the, the other chap from the industry said, yeah, if you look at Ross's background, it's kind of the interesting roadmap you use as a template for someone young coming into our life science sector. You know, mm-hmm. try to learn something from every boss, try to learn something from every situation, challenge yourself. And if you look at that 
career progress you've had just on even your LinkedIn page. It's, it points to that, right? It's very progressive. It's interesting. You've tried different things. And I, what I know our audience is going to be really curious to have you comment on is you were given that really cool opportunity to build a Canadian subsidiary from scratch. You were employee number one for uh, you know, a conservative but well-funded, very serious uh, global player from Japan with Taiho. And I know that the culture of Japanese business is they're very careful about who represents them, and they're very careful about selecting people who will represent them in countries around the world. So I know what you went through in terms of the recruiting process, but how did it feel for you to be employee number one? What was that like for you? Oh, that was a huge uh, reward for me. That was uh, a great feeling, not only to uh, see that you know I had a uh, a viable company to develop and to to um, you know to bring to Canada. Um, it was just a great feeling to be to be the person who gets to you know figure out that map. Um, not alone, of course, but but to really uh, design how a company will function in Canada and what will be the key uh, strategies, but also the key people considerations, the the culture of that company. And uh, so it was a, a really rewarding feeling to have been selected to be the GM of Canada. Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, you know, I had this feeling that I have this massive opportunity in my hands and so many different ways that you can do it. It was uh, uh, really inspiring. So Yeah, uh, so tell yeah. us a little bit about that time between you being employee number one and yeah. adding employee number two, three, four. Yeah. You know, what were you thinking about? What ended up becoming your journey in that nice little honeymoon period? And tell the, maybe tell the audience a little bit about you know, what you explored and why maybe culture got on your radar as quickly as it did. Because for a startup, that's, that's unique. Yeah, well, I think um, you know, first thing I did is to understand who we are. You know, who, who am I working with? Who, what is Taiho? Who are Taiho? Uh, what are their uh, real tenants and, uh, um, you know, their pillars of, uh, for their business? Um, what are the key things that they, they focus on? What's important to Taiho? So I had to understand all of that um, before I could then turn around and say, okay, now what about Taiho Pharma Canada? Are we the same? Are we going to be the same as that, as what Taiho is in Japan, as what Taiho is in New Jersey and Europe and Australia? And so, you know, I met and spoke with those people. And there were some things definitely that I wanted to bring to Canada from their experiences, from their development, um, because I think it's important for us to be connected internationally with some, some yeah. commonality. What, what would be a good example of that? What stood out to you in your exploration well, of who they are? What were you, what was one ingredient you knew you had to get in the team that you surrounded yourself with here? Uh, well, the one ingredient, first of all, is that, you know, for coming to the Canadian market, everybody on our team has to have an incredible patient focus because uh, this market doesn't really allow the patient to be involved until late in the process. If you go by the government processes, we don't approve drugs for all patients until two years in to our life cycle experience here in Canada. So the first thing is we had to have a strong patient focus to be able to build a bridge from that time of NOC 
to the time of having full approval for all patients. There's things you have to do to keep yourself alive in this country in terms of keep your product alive and keep yourself in focus. So, um, you know, the first thing is how are we going to manage this patient journey? But in doing that, there's certain qualities that you find in people that allow them to have that focus. So, you know, I needed to have people who are passionate about oncology, people that had a track record in oncology and showed that they've been able to have big wins, but also survive big losses in oncology because they do happen. Yeah. And then secondly, we had to have people who who could work well with others, people who are open to new ideas. This is a brand new company and um, lots of different things are going to come at us at once. You know, do we, do we uh, do it the, the standard way? Do we look at bringing a product into the market the way products come into the market? Or do we do something unique? Do we try to do something different? Do we try to, uh, you know, change the way products come into the market and use our product as, a, as an example of that? So, you know, I need to have people who are flexible and resourceful, innovative, creative. So we looked for all of those things and um, really spent a lot of time designing the discussion that we were going to have with people. It's almost like you had a very clear line of sight, Ross, to, you know, the the kind of folks that were going to be Taiho Canada, that, that, that you had this designed in your head before you started interviewing employee number two. Yes. You had a very clear view of the fit that you were looking for, not just because there's a lot of great, capable people. We're mm-hmm. lucky in Canada here to have a great system to support quality education, and there's a lot of talent uh, north of the border. And so I know you had your, and I know a lot of people who were lined up for your roles. I knew a lot of them personally. Mm-hmm. It was a really good competition, but when it came down to selecting your leadership team, your original group, you know, how front and center was the fit consideration for you relative to skills and experience? What was the balance between those two? Oh, were... they were 50-50. Okay. Because like you say, there's a lot of talented people. There were lines for, for jobs in our company. There were some piles of resumes. Um, and that's because of the type of company that we are. You know, I was looking for people who want to come to a company like Taiho. I was looking for people who want to bring their experience and knowledge to a place where they could leverage the things that they know matter and and not focus on the things that we know that we've experienced in other companies that don't matter. Uh, you know, one thing my employees will hear me say a lot is, I don't want us wasting time making slides that we're going to use to present to ourselves. We do this a lot. <laughs> I, you know, I remember working in bigger companies. I had... I had a computer full of slide decks that nobody outside the company ever saw. <laughs> and I wondered, you know, how much time do we spend just telling each other we're great? And so that's important. We do need to tell each other we're great. But that's not, you know, our, everything we do should be focused on an outcome for the patient. If you're not doing something that's relevant to the patient's day, to their daily life, or to how, you know, their experience when colon cancer will develop... Um, you know, then we shouldn't be doing that. So um, really, uh, the the fit was important, the attitude was important, as much as the skills that they have. Every single person in that stack of resumes had the skills to do the job. Right. They all come with the skills to do the job. So out of 10 people I hired for marketing, eight, nine of them could do that job. 
It's just a question of how they're going to do it, how they're going to do it together with their colleagues, and what their what their personal uh, focus is towards that. Those were the things that we were trying to bring out onto the page when we were interviewing. Right. So now you just fast forward to the point where you've hired your original management team. Things are starting yeah. to move. I know things yeah. are crazy. There was a lot going on. Yeah. The old drink from the fire hose stage. Yep. So what what did you do early days to make sure that the culture was what you all wanted it to be? What were some of the things that yeah. you've been doing over the past, what, two years now that you guys have been up and running, is it? Yeah, it's been just over two years now, two years and a month or so. so. Help our listeners sort of see that journey through your eyes. What what happened when, once you gathered this team, and what have you done to protect this culture that you were trying to create together? Yeah, well, you know, so we had this executive team together, and we had hired specifically to the kind of people we wanted on that team. Yeah. And so the first thing to do was, you know, did we achieve that? What are we all thinking? Uh, what do we think about culture? What are the things that matter to us? We could feel the commonality already. Before we sat down to have this discussion, we could feel that this was great. You know, we, we were all uh, happy. We were all had the same kind of positive outlook. We were very optimistic. Very and, engaged group, too. Very like the energy engaged, in, your, in yeah. the room was, is always very Everyone high. really wanted this to happen, wanted it to go, and was really happy that they were now working in a, a company like Taiho. Uh, many of them came from big companies, you know, from Roche, from Novartis, from AstraZeneca. And they were just delighted that they had kind of shed those big company uh, SOPs, and now we could develop our own SOPs the way we wanted them to happen. Right. And of course, you know, we, we wanted to incorporate that into our parent company as well. So the first thing we did is to say, what are the things that define us? You know, uh, how, how are we similar and how are we dissimilar? You know, what are the things that define who we are and how do we take this great feeling that we have when we're together, when we're working together, and and uh, put that down on paper so we can show to others, this is who we are, and this if you're joining us, this is who we are, and we want to hear from you about how you fit into this and what can you bring to it. Right. You know, so because culture lives and breathes, it changes, it evolves. And that work and that documentation, as you say, seem to really benefit the next wave of hiring because I've yes. met a lot of the folks that you now have at second, third level, and they all seem to have that very strong theme. There's a high level of engagement and passion. Uh, there's a, This oncology piece to them is very meaningful for lots of reasons, personal, professional. There's just There's just something there, as you say, it's palpable, but... What I liked about what I saw with your group doing this as a startup is you took the time to, to capture it and to and have a good, robust discussion about it and then make sure you did an effective job communicating it to the downstream stakeholders, not just the employees you hired, but I know you spent some time educating your bosses about what was unique about Taiho Canada and how you'd work this through the system and how you think you've defined what is an aligned culture to what the global discovery that you found out that you're not misaligned to what Japan and Europe and, and the U.S. is doing, but you're doing what's right and specific for Canada and for the people that you recruited to surround you with. Like, mm-hmm. That's a really interesting balance between those two perspectives. What does global want and what, what's right for the business here? The other thing that you did very soon in the process, which I commend you for because a lot of folks don't always measure uh, as consistently maybe as they should, but I, my opinion, and you know, we've talked about this, is that 
No different than strategy. If you're a general manager of a pharmaceutical company, for instance, in Canada, think about what you can control. How much do you really have an impact on strategy? Out of the five P's of marketing, for instance, you can have an impact on price and promotion. The rest of it is pretty much decided for you. Positioning, mm-hmm. place, distribution, all those things. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about the levers you can pull as a general manager. Talent and surrounding yourself with the right talent, of course, is a big deal. But culture, you know, you're, for all intents and purposes, the chief cultural officer. And yeah. one of the things I admire about what you guys did is, like any other strategy, whether it's a brand strategy, but in this case a cultural strategy, is you've had the courage to measure exactly what was going on. It's nice to have the conversation. It's nice to say your intentions were A, B, and C. But early in the process, you measured what was going on. And maybe you could just sort of speak to what happened with that measurement and what did you and your management team do about the insights that came back from, from our group. Yeah. So yes, you're talking about uh, our entropy scores and seeing, you know, how uh, how we uh, could work together most optimally. So the first thing about that measurement was we were surprised at how alike we were, how aligned we were. We were more aligned than we even thought we were. So that was uh, uh, really encouraging to all of us and there was a lot of high-fiving going on but then it was like okay so if this is what we are where do we go with it where else what else can we become that's important to us so um the first thing was is to really um make sure everyone understood what we were looking at when you measure culture there's lots of circles and lines and maps and uh words and so we really wanted to define what we were looking at and make it uh, make it easy for people to quickly understand who we are. So we encapsulated that down to four keywords that we use and words like uh, resilience, passion, um, uh, that, you know, that we all... Uh, I know courage is a big deal. Yeah, courage. Especially in this category, right, with oncology. Yeah, courage we define yeah. as, you know, being courageous enough to say to each other, uh, I think we need to change. I think or to stand up for a patient in terms yes. of patient interest in an assertive but appropriate way with the health system being what it is, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we we developed these uh, words. And, and then the thing was, you know, we were still growing as a company as we did this. We hired the executive team, but we had a priority review from Health Canada. We had six months from the time I was hired alone to NOC. We had six months so we had to put together the executive team, figure out this cultural stuff. And while we were moving at 300 miles an hour, we still took the time to step aside and do this because it was very, very important for the rest of the people we were going to hire, all our sales reps, our MSLs, our, our office people, that they can quickly understand where they're going, what we are when you arrive. So we put all of that together. We explained it to people as we were hiring them. And once we had the team fully uh, on board, as part of our training, we went through this cultural um, um, work and, and made sure we got all of their input. It was important to say to them, we're still building this. This is how far we've come, but we need you to finish it because you're a part of this. This is your culture. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we had all of them uh, review what we had done. We had all of them go through the same cultural exercises that we had done, uh, the same kind of questionnaires, and measure their scores and measure, you know, how um, how it might change now that we have this bigger group. And we did 
uh, develop a change. We developed the change of making sure we had a strong communication feedback loop through the company. So yes, it's great to have all of these pillars that we abide by, but we have to keep listening. Yeah. We never stop listening and understand um, as we evolve, as we change as a company, what what changes with us? What do we bring with us? What do we leave behind? And what do we add now? Yeah, one of the things that I see that you've put some emphasis on, especially in the, in, since that first measurement, and I see it now manifesting with your sub-teams, is probably more than any other client that I've ever worked with, there's a really visceral understanding of, look, it comes down to the, our behaviors. And we can all talk a great game, but at the end of the day, do we stand up for these things that we all consider are our common values? And what I really like is the accountability that I see up and down the, the whole organization. And everyone takes this to heart. Um, and you really find out a lot about, is it, is it really just all words or is it, is it real when bad things happen, when difficult things happen? You guys have had a couple of speed bumps. So can you maybe speak to our audience a little bit about what you observed as a general manager when, when it, was a, it was a challenging situation? How did your cultural values um, create a foundation for the response that you're proud of? Yeah, um, you know, um, we had an unex- unexpected event with one of our products that uh, although we had uh, positive approval in some parts of the con- com- country, we had negative uh, decisions in other parts of the country, which really we didn't expect. Uh, you know, coming in with a product that has survival data, that has good uh, um, data for patient wellness, uh, that also uh, is approved in 43 other countries. We didn't expect this speed bump in Canada. Uh, So we're working on it. Uh, The good news is because of the team we are, we're turning that around and that should happen for us fairly soon. Um, But uh, I was very um, encouraged to see how the team reacted to this very negative decision. Um, you know, it, we, were, we were early in the game. We were one year into our existence, and people were wondering, you know, which way is this company going to go? Are we going to accelerate? Are we, gonna, are we going the other way? You know, will we, as a one-product entity, could we disappear? Could that happen? And with this negative decision, I think uh, what I saw around me was my team uh, get a higher level of engagement, uh, that they had some, not frustration, but um, um, I guess they just really resented the way this decision uh, came about and had some real conviction to change it. And they knew that this could be changed and... uh, you know, that um, it's all about the impressions around us. It's about the understanding of, our, of the key people around us. And we knew that we could work to change that. Uh, to a person on the team, we knew that. So in this uh, situation, which could very much paint a negative picture for the company going forward, we saw no turnover. We saw no people uh, running for the doors or people looking for maybe an alternative to even the job they were doing. There was no panicking. Yeah, I didn't see it. it What impressed me the most, Ross, was a couple things. One was not a single MSL or clinical specialist did that. Nobody turned for the door. Right. And I saw them get a little bit ticked off, like it was a little bit personal. They wanted to, you know, make sure, as you say, that this, this this wasn't a permanent state. And the other thing that impressed me a lot was, I believe almost unprompted, a lot of your customers came. Yeah. Came along and said, "Look, we want to see, you know, we want to see this t- turned around." And you guys have only been in 
the oncology space in Canada for two years. Not like you've got a 40-year heritage right. and all those relationships. You have like relationships that were only a year or so in the making. Yeah. And I was impressed to hear about how much customers sort of rallied to your cause. And I think that has to be a reflection on the value your MSLs and clinical specialists are bringing to their practices, that they would rally behind this new player as quickly as they did. Is that, a, I, is that an accurate yeah. assessment on well, my part? It, it is. Thank you. Um, yeah, the, you know, we saw a lot of uh, interaction and involvement from big customers, from some of our biggest customers in the country. And really, um, you know, we looked at what do we think produced that? What do we think, uh, you know, why do, why do we think these customers were so uh, passionate and, and uh, encouraging about what was happening in the marketplace? Yeah. And I think it comes right back to the beginning where we, uh, as an executive team, decided that everything we do should be patient-focused. Everything we do should look at that patient outcome. And um, everything we did with our customers as a result in that first year was highly patient-focused, and they could feel that from us. Eric Chen at PMH, one of the biggest uh, oncologists at Princess Margaret Hospital in Toronto, uh, he said to us, you know, I've been asked many times in this negative situation to come and help companies uh, to turn their, their decisions around. I've never said yes to any company, but I'm saying yes to you. I will come and work with you guys to turn this around because more than anything, you guys have shown me that you're everything, um, that you care about everything around my patient, everything that my patient goes through. You um, really uh, specifically focus on that. And they feel that, and I feel that, and uh, so I'm happy to help a company like you. And that speaks volumes because, you know, there's uh, a very wise person who's seen a lot of people come in and out of his office, a lot of people from our industry, and for him to make that decision to step out of his comfort zone just speaks volumes about the way your people are showing up. And that's the other huge advantage that you and I have talked about is that your internal culture becomes your external brand. It creates the experience of the customer, and that customer, you know, uh, story you shared, I think speaks to the undeniable truth that, yeah, you show up differently and you're going to earn a higher value recognition in your, in your customer's mind. You've earned the right to, uh, to be partners with them in their practice to help their patients. So, yeah. And that's when you know your culture is real, Rob, because, um, we never purposefully went outside of our company to talk to about people to talk to our customers about who we were, about what we focus on culturally. But the feedback that we get from our customers when we go through it actually contains the same words that we have to explain yeah, the our resilience, culture. The resilience, the courage. So we can yeah, see, yeah, we can see that. Yeah, yeah. We can see that coming back to us. So that's when you know you're living and breathing what you put down on paper. And um, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that to be so closely linked and so you really kind of sit back and say, this stuff really works. Yeah, and that's the, the, the last question I want to explore with you is, I know you're a proud father. You've got three boys, and yeah. there's probably not too long before one of them starts their own business one day. I, would, I, I could see them following in their, in their dad's footsteps. <laughs> so I want you to you know, sort of wind that clock forward, say, 10 years or so, and maybe yeah. you're about to go enjoy a, a nice little ski vacation. You've retired. You've done everything you want to do in the industry, and one of the boys calls you and said, Dad, I, I'm going to start my own business. What would your advice to be as, as maybe one of them considers pursuing something you've done now? Uh, what would you say to them? I would say to them, I'm, I'm proud of you. 
I'm, uh, I'm excited that you want to do this. And what I want you to think about is business is much more than money. I know you have dreams in your head of hitting it big, and that's good. That's important. Follow those dreams. But I need you to step aside and say, uh, you know, not only what is my business, but who is my business? Who will my business be? And uh, really spend some time to uh, understand how your business will look to the outside world and what are the things you focus on that will make you successful to those people and to yourself. And, you know, one good example I can think of right now is this uh, company that's, um, they're selling clothing, they're selling surf beach kind of clothing. And uh, their mandate is, is that for every um, item they sell, they will take a pound of plastic out of the ocean. So I think that's a, a really inspiring a great uh, way to become successful. Yeah. And they have fun with it. You know, they say, so, so it's time for you to pull your own pound, to pull your pound, you know, like buy a shirt and pull your pound out of the ocean. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's great. I, you know, so think about things like that. There's another company that found out they make socks and they found out the number one required requested thing at homeless shelters are fresh, warm, dry socks. Mm. So for every pair of socks they sell, they donate a pair to the homeless. And so that's another great uh, way to be socially aware, socially active, but still run a successful company. So I think, you know, uh, I think millennials who are starting companies are are developing these great ways of, of, uh, you know, providing some social assistance uh, beyond just selling socks and shirts. Yeah, they're, they're much so more socially conscious. God loves them. So because, I would encourage yeah. that, and I would encourage, you know, make sure all the people in your company, when you develop something like that, believe in it. Uh, because everyone who touches this company will want to talk about, yeah, we're pulling plastic out of the ocean, yeah. right? And even your receptionist on the phone should say, yes, thank you. We are going to pull out a pound of plastic just for you. <laughs> you know, So I think that's great. And, uh, yeah. and you can really have a lot of fun and creativity with these things. Well, and it underlines something that you know we hear and read about so much, but it, there it is. Uh, it manifests so many times in those examples. But the why is more important than the what. Right. I know yeah. you've learned that through your journey in the industry and uh yeah. nice to be able to pass on that wisdom to your to your boys and other people. And I know you, you do a great job of this with your folks. So listen, Ross, thanks yeah. for joining us today. We really enjoy you sharing your story. I know a lot of people have been asking about, you know, I'm I'm getting this chance to start a new company, a lot in the life science sector in Canada, as you know, and you know, I've sent a few people along to talk to you because I think this this experience you've had, the scar tissue, the good and the bad has really helped you do something that I know you're very proud of. And I know when I look at the data, the the math doesn't lie. You guys are punching way above your weight. And I know you're a proud Canadian, but I think one of the reasons you're having so much success is that you care about this stuff and it's genuine. So congratulations to you and the Taiho team, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Rob. Thank you very much.